Hello and welcome to the Persephone program for March 15th, 2022. I've taken another break and it's interesting because I usually just want to feel inspired with this podcast thing that I do. I want to feel like I'm so compelled to share uh, a piece of information or insight that appears almost like wholly born within my psyche and just share it with others. Um, So I want it to be succinct and I want it to be fully formed or at least coherent so that it's enjoyable for you. And I've had a hard time with that, especially during Scorpio season and the Sagittarius time period and the Pisces time period, of course. Um, So... I'm kind of been digging in the dirt a little bit myself and definitely have some things that I want to share with you right now. And some of them come from some listener client friends, uh, one of which uh, my friend Angie, who asked about the asteroid goddesses and the interpretation of them within astrology, as well as a very... um, a couple friends that mention how dark this time is and how much light is needed. And by light, I mean consciousness, awareness. And another friend, Stacy, who is an incredible writer, and I'm going to share some of her writings in a little bit to kind of describe a process of both being in the dark, that is not being able to kind of see what's next or what's going on, and how sometimes that can be a catalyst for growth. And of course, we have the astrology. And so the inspiration of this particular episode, I suppose, is that Virgo full moon that's coming up on the morning of the 18th at, I think it's 12, 17 a.m. Pacific, so 3, 17 a.m. for Eastern and you know, somewhere in the later day or the morning for you all in the UK. This particular full moon um, is calling to us to become more grounded and self-nurturing and to take care of ourselves physically as well as mentally, emotionally, psychologically, and spiritually in order for us to move forward. So it's kind of bringing a crisis or a catalyst to a head. And it got me thinking about some of the archetype of Virgo and how also that ties into uh, the archetype of the Great Mother and to the asteroid goddess Ceres. And Ceres, also known as Demeter, um, is tied to the sign of Virgo as well as to the Taurus and Scorpio archetype, which is tied in to our eclipse season for the next year, year and a half, where we have our north node in Taurus and our south node of the moon in Scorpio. And remember that the nodes of the moon are simply the point where the elliptical point, where the moon's orbit around the earth meets the earth's orbit around the sun. And this particular period, which is essentially the phenomena that creates eclipses, is like marked by astrologers at the time that something is born. 
You know, they contain with them also the archetype of the eclipse season. So our physical eclipses are happening in the season or time period of Taurus and Scorpio this year coming up. And this ties in again to the uh, myth of Demeter and Persephone and the underworld and, you know, Taurus and Scorpio and Virgo and the sign of cancer to the great mother. And it brings to mind the very many prayers and invocations of the Slavic goddesses that so many of my peers are bringing into our consciousness as we call upon deities and energies to help in this terrible war in Ukraine. And I mentioned in my podcast for the whole year of 2022 that it was likely that the Jupiter-Neptune conjunction would bring a sense of compassionate unity, a kind of a borderless uh, desire for peace and love sort of from, that came potentially from a form of a disaster. I can't remember whether I had said war, I don't think so, but you know, um, this is certainly doing that, isn't it? And some of the potentials that you know, where we many astrologers have been contemplating about this phenomena were, uh, you know, unity and peace and peace treaties and compassion. So uh, as of yet, we have not seen that. Of course, the uh, particular conjunction has not matured, but we certainly have seen that great longing for peace, that desire, that sense of unity that certainly more people have than I think have for discord and war. Uh, this is really bringing it up. It's even brought in the United States the uh, a bipartisan you know treaty being signed to help Ukraine, meaning the warring factors of the Republicans and Republicans and Democrats or the ideological forces of conservatism and restraint with um, you know liberalism and freedoms uh, are kind of have been clashing for so many years now, and now they are kind of you know, in this particular situation, at least coming together. So that's been really good. So I want to talk about series, series in your astrology. I want to talk about um, finding a light in the darkness. I want to talk about the idea of, you know, attachment versus aversion, the idea of uh, sorrow and loss um, and joy and, you know, fertility uh, pleasure and pain, all of that. So let's get into it. And, uh, you know, certainly always interested in your opinions or your viewpoint too. So definitely send me some feedback after we start. I'm going to kind of go into series first, and we'll talk about series in your astrological chart, series in the sky right now. Uh, I'll read a little bit from Demetra George's Asteroid Goddesses book, which is in many ways, I think, the kind of textbook of um, these particular phenomenals. We'll talk about the planet itself. Okay, so in the 16th century, Kepler, Johannes Kepler, suggested that there could possibly be a planet between the orbit of Mars and Jupiter. 200 years later, the publication of Bode's Law reiterated the possibility. And based on the theory that all the planets in the solar system were in a harmonic distance from the sun, 
The law, or Bode's theory, suggested that there should be a planet orbiting between Mars and Jupiter. And when Uranus was discovered in 1781 via telescope, its distance from the sun conformed to the law, giving greater weight to the theory of a missing planet. In 1800, a Sicilian astronomer spotted the new body in a region, in that same region between Mars and Jupiter, and he named it Ceres, after the goddess of his homeland. To the Sicilians, Ceres favored their island, and it was here that they claimed that Hades abducted her daughter, Persephone. The myth of Ceres Demeter has a lot to do with the idea of fertility in the ancient world. Uh, Ceres, as you know, the Roman name for Demeter, similar, you know, the same goddess essentially, her gift was grain or cereal, uh, that is the gift of agriculture. And the process or the mythology of Demeter series is of the kind of like mother nature. I mean, she was depicted as the, you know, a goddess with a encircled crown of grain or flowers. And also within her myth is the myth of the abduction of her daughter named Kor or Prosperina, uh, which simply meant, means, you know, youth or spring or maiden uh, and that myth the the idea of her daughter being her offspring being abducted and brought into the underworld also was the part of the myth because the myth is much about how the seasons are born and grow to fertility and abundance and die and then go into the underworld or under the ground and then are born again. So this was the inspiration for basically one of the greatest initiatory rites of the ancient world, especially the ancient Hellenistic or, and Greek world, which was the Eleusian Mysteries, which we don't have any writings of them, but they apparently reenacted the journey of Persephone into the underworld and through the darkness and through the rituals, uh, any individual that went through it, and apparently most did that wanted to, faced the terror of death and then became thankful for the joy and blessings of life. So Demeter is in that way, Ceres is connected to both uh, you know, growth and, and fertility and, you know, the loving sort of nature of mothering and also through loss. Uh, so this particular point in our astrology, when we look at it astrologically, is very much about, you know, finding and facing, um, you know, our own key pain, the lack of nurturing that we may or may not have, um, also having, you know, learning to nurture it. It's like a process-oriented energy. You know, it isn't just one energetic force. It is kind of a multitude of forces, you know. Um, if Virgo is about, you know, uh, you know, learning to discriminate healthily, you know, and the processes and rituals of, of serving, you know, your body or serving the land or serving work. Um, and cancer is the ability to both be nurtured, you know, as a child and to nourish and nurture others. Uh, then also that Taurus Scorpio adds in the idea of 
um, you know, fertility, abundance, and loss, and a cycle, right? So there's like a cycle here. So you find all those things active in the element of Ceres. Ceres orbit is approximately 1,682 days. So uh, it's about 4.6 years um, orbits around the sun in that time period. So interestingly enough, as we speak, Ceres has been calling to me and I realize, oh, I'm having my Ceres return. Ceres is currently in Gemini. And with Ceres and Gemini, it really is about communication. It's about feeling connected and making connections between people and technology. It's about keeping in touch. It's about taking data and being able to use it. It's about um, making sure that you are, you know, doing all of the things that you know, um, to do in order to stay healthy mentally. Uh, you know, this is Gemini, right? So it's about the mind and the connections that we make within the mind. Um, it is, again, about all of the rituals and things that we do in order to be healthy. And we can't forget that in order to be healthy, we must communicate and also be open to communication in many different ways. It doesn't have to be verbal, um, but it is important that we be able to share our intellectual understandings or just even to play with the relativity of the mind. And right now is a time for communicating, uh, learning, teaching, studying, learning to understand the nature of human interaction and, and to go back to the idea that we can have a beginner's mind again and again and again. Um, the stimulation of learning to do things is so good at any age. Instead of just thinking that we know it all, you know, perhaps we can learn by bringing new pieces of information into our, you know, uh, perception. So that's what's going on right now. And, and in the chart, say, of our full moon, we have Ceres in Gemini um, making a sextile to Chiron. So, you know, others' pain stimulates our, you know, our little busy mind that might be completely full of our self-importance and self-important daily tasks and rituals. And it brings a new sense of enlightenment. We also have, I was thinking that, okay, Jupiter is really at 18 degrees of Pisces, and that is a 10 degree difference between Ceres. So it could be a loose square, but we also have Mercury in Pisces squaring that Ceres too. So further bringing in that idea of we may not, with Mercury and Pisces, we may not know the truth. Remember, Pisces is that transcendent, trans, you know, spiritual, um, oftentimes, you know, in shadow aspect, delusionary idea that we know what's going on. And so squaring that series in Gemini, well, maybe we don't. And maybe we need in order for us to be the best people we can be to learn how to healthily discriminate and to figure out what the facts are. So that's an aspect that is going on in the collective right now. There's a lot of not knowing. I mean, it's super interesting that 
you know, with this, say, war in Ukraine, that, you know, Putin has been, you know, in a propaganda uh, war uh, with his own people, telling them uh, false truths and lies, and also cutting them off from information uh, from the rest of the world, other pieces of experience, so that they are lost in a fuddle, you know, or muddle of confusion, not knowing what is real and what is true. And that certainly could be a shadow of all of that Pisces, you know, being lost in the psychic landscape of, I don't know what's happening to me, being gaslit, you know? Um, so that's, that might be going on as well. So back to Ceres. Ceres also represents attachment, okay? So it's the idea of the mother-child attachment, the closeness and then the separation, grief and reunion. All of that is so present. I really relate to all of that being um, at this point a, you know, empty nester and how incredibly, incredibly empty that is. That is, you know, very intense. But we also collectively are going through the idea of the breaking of the attachment, maybe the attachment to, let's just say in the United States, the American myth of democracy, the idea that we had this beautiful world and suddenly it's not beautiful anymore. Well, that was a bit of a delusion, right? I mean, it really is. Um, but also understanding like with deep compassion, how people are suffering and maybe what we can do about that suffering with Saturn in Aquarius and that Jupiter Saturn conjunction that happened in 2020, you know, which, you know, ushers in, uh, you know, really 20 years of Aquarian social justice, which is definitively Jupiter, you know, which is our belief system socially and, um, the, and justice with the structures that we put in place to protect all of us, you know, which is Saturn, the structures and authorities that we put in place, laws in Aquarius. You know, an Aquarius can be very detached. Aquarius can be very aloof, but Aquarius can also be incredibly compassionate in the sense that it is in, an inclusionary energy. It's about including all. It's about the greater good. So we have that going on. And then we have this, this moment in time where you know, we're confronted with the evils. We are making the darkness conscious and we're trying to figure out what to do about it. And especially right now, because this full moon in Virgo is like a peak energy from this Pisces season and the war in Ukraine and the potential of World War III. And this is a big fucking deal, right? And, you know, now our third year of being in COVID lockdown and people getting COVID, um, I mean, I just read that Obama had COVID. And most of the folks that are getting COVID right now that are vaccinated are not getting really ill and dying, but we still have that. That is still hanging over us. We have still been through so much, you know? And what do we need? You know, we need nurturing. We need love, but we also need to confront our fears and then actively work towards healing. Work towards working things out. Now, in the myth of Ceres and Demeter, when Hades abducted Persephone, um, Demeter raged and she withdrew, you know, the fertility, the gift of fertility from the earth. 
And she also withdrew herself from Olympus and she wandered the world unnoticed and she was depleted. She was withered and she asked people to, um, you know, to sort of care from her, care for her. Uh, at one point, um, Demeter basically told the, you know, the, the gods that she was done. She was not going to be the goddess of, of, you know, fertility and people were dying. And so the earth was barren and diplomacy needed to come in. Um, Zeus intervened as the, as the, you know, the authoritarian god, Jupiter. And he said, go, go do your duties anyway. But Demeter refused. So they had to come to a agreement. They had to come to a peace treaty. And what happened is that Persephone was released from the underworld for a portion of the year. Uh, and, you know, there was the pomegranate seed and the going back and forth. But from this crisis, from this deep grief, came uh, a treaty that allowed life to function again. And so our gods and our mythologies, and you know, there are many, many gods and goddesses throughout all world's cultures, not just the Greco-Roman, that echo these same themes. And the idea here is that we have an archetypal journey to experience both personally and collectively. And trying to do this as consciously as possible um, means paying attention to the symbols that show up in our lives, to the archetypes and the opportunities for us to become more. And this is one of those times. So what do we need to do? I think it is contained within that myth of, of Ceres and Demeter, but also within the myth of, you know, within Jupiter and Neptune. I mean, Neptune is compassion, um, and psychic reality and uh, you know Jupiter is justice and then we have say if we're going to use Demetra George the author of the asteroid goddesses interpretation of of um, series Demeter we're going to say that we need to use both Nurturing and compassion, cancer, caring, feeding the world. And by the way, I mean, I don't know what you've seen, if you've seen the, the um, World Kitchen, Jose Andres, uh, but they are at great work. And I happen to know some people who are doing some incredible work with them, feeding the, you know, two and a half million plus refugees at the Polish border. So we need to feed and care for the people that are suffering cancer. We need to discriminate between what we can and cannot do and do some things via the archetype of Virgo. And we need to learn to healthily create peace and stability and attach to the behaviors of peace as represented by the archetype of Taurus, as well as acknowledging the deep pain and the power struggles that are inherent in all of life, you know, which is that archetype of Scorpio. So anyway, as this is an astrology podcast, isn't it interesting to look at how amazingly our 
planets line up to give us a sense of a reflection of the story that we are in. And in that way, doesn't it seem like the universe is operating with some form of intelligent design or at least setting up the game that we are playing? And within the context of all of those themes are our individual and personal lives. What are you working on? How can you both integrate your pain as represented by Scorpio, the South Node in Scorpio, with the ability to steadily nurture peace, tranquility, and fertility, North Node in Taurus? How can you use your visionary passion and compassion, all that Pisces, in really strong uh, sense of, you know, the librarian's checklist kind of idea of that moon in Virgo of Ceres and Gemini, looking at the facts and learning how to healthily nourish yourself. I think it comes always from awareness. According to Demetra George, the author of Asteroid Goddesses, and definitely the seminal, um, you know, person, I think, on their functioning in astrology, um, Ceres symbolizes the function of mother, as we discussed, and it, according to Demetra, governs a number of psychological qualities that can't actually be described by any one zodiacal sign. For Demetra, after spending a number of years observing how Ceres functions in the horoscope, She's concluded that Ceres attributes are best depicted, as mentioned by the signs Cancer, the Taurus-Scorpio axis, and Virgo. As a ruler of Cancer in your own astrology, Ceres addresses the issues of how we give and receive nurturance, how we develop feelings of self-worth, how we provide for and care for others, and how we respond neurotically if those needs are met. And as the ruler of the Taurus-Scorpio polarity, Ceres governs the lessons of attachment and aversion, the pathology of loss and rejection, the capacity for grief and sorrow, and the principle of sharing. As the ruler of Virgo, she addresses the issues of productivity, growth, self-reliance, and work. And so the idea here is that when you look for Ceres in your own astrology, you're going to look at all of these issues, nurturing and nurturance, um, the, the idea of Virgo in terms of the healthy mother, you know, caring, um, understanding the process of health and wellness, and then attachment and loss through Taurus and Scorpio. And all of those could also be connected to the experience of being mothered ourselves. So where you find Ceres, it is also like how you have been nurtured and nourished um, through mother, the attachment and, and, and loss aspect of your relationship with mother, um, how you detached from her as a child too, and then also how you care for yourself in terms of um, health and wellness through that Virgo thing. Uh, so... You know, if it's if you have uh, Ceres and Aries or the first house, this could have a lot to do with um, the idea of having either a mother or having kind of similar to like a moon, you know, in Aries, you know, having the your own needs be cared for by you urgently. 
and that you with Ceres in the first house, it could also be represented similarly to a Cancer ascendant where you are nourishing and nurturing other people and you are attached to others and suffer a lot of loss um, if you don't have that attachment. In the second house uh, or uh, a series in Taurus, it could have a lot to do with the principle of attachment and security um, as, you know, represented by that Taurus, you know. And so the idea here also is a, a series or an idea of like needing or to be mothered, you know, similarly to a moon in Cancer uh, or a moon in Taurus um, and have the tangible material things, you know, to have mother provide you with the soft blankets and the milk before bed and all that kind of stuff. So, um, and also to have, you know, security and, and to be attached to your material things, you know, that that is a part of how you receive nurturance. Uh, in Gemini, we discussed that. It has a lot to do with connections with other people, with expressing yourself, um, you know, and making... Uh, you know, that is, that is series in Gemini or series in the third house, um, with, with right communication. Um, I would also say that you may receive nurturance from either giving nurturance to your siblings or getting it from them. You know, the third house in Gemini is about the twins and also represents siblings as well as communication and, and that kind of stuff. And in cancer, we discussed earlier, um, it is, it is a deep attachment to family, uh, and family and home and your lunar tribe. It is also a deep need for um, nurturing and nurturance through having a healthy and secure home base. It might be someone who is very attached to their home or family, similarly to a moon in cancer or to the process of being receiving nurturance from and giving nurturance to the family. In Leo, it would have a lot to do with your um, creative power. Uh, series in Leo could be a creative and flamboyant, um, you know, mother, uh, or the process of receiving nurturance and nurturing or being attached to uh, the the creations that you um, have, or your creative power, or your children um, in life. Uh, series in Virgo. Similarly, we've been talking about the Virgo idea of health and wellness, of um, creating rituals around uh, productivity and work. Uh, Chiron, or I'm sorry, why do I keep saying Chiron? Series in Virgo ha would have a lot to do with having that perfect Virgoan mother. I mean, I have series in Gemini, but it's in my sixth house of Virgo. And I think that if you've read my book, you know that I talk a lot about my my health, you know, health conscious and healthy Virgoan mother um, and receiving nurturance from the idea of, you know, the land and food and wellness, but also being very attached, you know, possibly being attached to either nurturing or nur nourishing yourself or others through health foods and through wellness or fitness regimes too. Fitness is also very... Um, highlighted also through service, you know, providing service. Um, series in Libra or the seventh house, that partnering aspect, that idea of receiving nurturance or partnering with another to get nurturance, like having the moon in the seventh house. Um, or the idea here of, um, of having that sort of deep connection with another that allows you to sort of see yourself and be yourself. And I think that Ceres and Libra would also be um, receiving nurturance and, and nourishing through peace and harmony too, and making sure that you had that and making sure and also being a mother who maybe kind of like my Libra ascendant mother always wanted everything to be nice and everyone to get along. 
Um, it could also be the ideological mother or the idea of receiving nourishment through ideological or ideology or ideals. Ceres in Scorpio, that is a, a place of, of great depth and also um, going through the transformative or like sort of pur purging um, process of Scorpio that always seems to need to you know, go deeply intense and then purge itself. You know, that kind of uh, Phoenix idea of Ceres and Scorpio um, receiving nourishment and, and, and nurturing through deep connections with others and also through um, having uh, those almost like deaths, like having uh, relationships that end, you know, and, and having that freshness or that new beginning. So they can end and you can begin them again too. Um, and that sort of, that, depth of purging and, and also the sharing of intimacy, you know, with that, that series. And it could also be, you know, the dark mother idea of having a mother that didn't have any boundaries with you, you know? Um, I think Ceres and Sagittarius is curious, you know, because Ceres and Sagittarius would be, um, you know, potentially like receiving nourishment and attaching yourself to, again, kind of similar to Libra ideological beliefs, belief systems, knowledge systems, systems of expanded consciousness. Um, but also remembering too, that like anything else that is important to release that too, but also maybe the spiritual mother or the mother that was religious or the mother that had a, a certain kind of justice ideology. Uh, in Capricorn, it could be the authoritative, you know, idea of authoritative mother or mothering or the 10th house and receiving nourishment from either um, having an authoritative mother or authority presence in your life or, uh, or being that authoritative mothering type principle. Um, and, you know, looking at maybe the aspects between Ceres and other planets will give you a clue uh, as to how that can be. I guess, uh, expressed positively or negatively. And Ceres in Aquarius would be that freedom-loving mother, that mother that maybe is an iconoclast or also receiving nourishment from allowing yourself to fit out instead of fit in and to maybe even have experiences with different groups, you know, where you kind of like hang out with this group for a while and you hang out with that group for a while. So you're experiencing that Taurus Scorpio dynamic through groups of friends or cultures or cliques. And then in Pisces, I would think that it would be that really deep spirituality of like the spiritual mother or the quiet creative mother that is um, mystical. And we want to step away from the shadow, the Piscean shadow of the martyr mother and more into the, the, the light of the, the kind, compassionate nature that is possible with Ceres in the 12th house and Ceres in Pisces. We're going to want to be, uh, we're going to want to carve out space for ourselves in order for our own health and wellness to have time alone and to have time with the psyche and to have the time to, to have, to care for our soul. So these are some ways to kind of like think about series and to think about our own health and wellness and, um, and how that plays in, you know, the asteroid goddesses came out, you know, during really into our awareness. Although, you know, we know series was one of the first to be discovered that was not a quote unquote planet, but a body, you know, in orbit of the sun 
in 1800, 18, I think it was New Year's Eve 1800, so that was like 1801, you know. But it really came up into the astrological purview. Um, that is the meaning of this planet astrologically came up during the time of the women's movement, you know, and the, you know, the early 70s and the, the mid 70s. I mean, I think that Demetra published her book in the early 80s, as I recall, but I think that the original manuscript may have been, let me see what mine says. Mine says copyright 1986, and this is the fir- this is probably one of the first editions because this the copy I have was my mom's. But I think that she started writing it in the mid-70s, you know? And the idea here is that, you know, we have all these classical planets that are traditionally male and or external and or solar or patriarchal, but there are bodies that work like these asteroids that aren't really asteroids, but, um, but that work within the the duality of the feminine experience and they give us a deeper understanding of um of the feminine and what it is that we do in our power and so the idea of this process oriented nurturance through healthy and clean living in virgo through the idea of nurturance eating physical food and caring for ourselves and through the idea of the deep attachment and then therefore also the release that is necessary in the process of being nurtured that is as a child we have to attach deeply to our parents and then we also have to detach and that whole idea is really well represented astrologically by Ceres. So where is your Ceres? She has a C that almost looks like a sickle, like the sickle that they we used to use to to cut the wheat, to thresh the wheat. Um, and you can easily put that into your astrology and look at it. So that concludes my talk in, on the now and on Ceres and on Virgo and nurturing and nurturance. We have this full moon coming up. I'm going to podcast again, certainly uh, within the next 10 days or so on that Jupiter-Neptune conjunction um, peace uh, and the war in Ukraine, uh, miracles, all of that. Like what, it's amazing what is potential, what exists as a potential in our consciousness. Remember, you have power. If you are in despair, float. Okay, if you are worried, float. And I'm going to leave you with um, something really beautiful written by uh, a friend, Stacy. Give me a sec. I'm going to read this to you with her permission. And um, it talks a lot about, I don't know, just walking through, walking through the underworld as represented um, by the Persephone Demeter myth and a lot about what we're talking about here. So here we go. It wasn't just a few days I'd been walking through despair, that I was already in the underworld against my will and was not actually going to be emerging as quickly as I so ideally felt at the time and expressed. Oh, it just got worse, much worse. I played back our call a few times during the past few months and morbidly laughed, as a Sagittarian would, at the irony of truth that hadn't fully soaked into my psyche, of what was actually occurring in my soul the death of everything before being reborn. It would be more of a journey to see the sun than I'd hoped. 
I'm grateful, of course, for the polarity of utter darkness so that I can love the light fondly. To fully love the dark so fondly, it's a wicked gift that must be learned and earned. And then to be so fondly in tandem to love the light. I did face my final boss. The final boss I was aware of at the time, but we hadn't actually confronted each other so intimately just yet. That came later. Basically, I hit literal rock bottom a few weeks ago, completely consumed by darkness. Never have I been in the dark so deep that I actually had to use my hands to climb out, to surrender to it and finally say, I'm not afraid of you anymore. I did grab my own hand, and that metaphorical statement in reality was an actual cry for help. So I said out loud, I've been doing this on my own for so long. I'm lost in the dark. And the second I did this, help came. And the light I couldn't find turned on inside of me. And the underworld opened up. I didn't walk out immediately. I stood there long enough to not flee in fear, but instead to stand in strength and reverence. And I left a piece of me there, a light, my own light, that would be waiting whenever I return again at my own will. To show the dark, that's also me. Here's a gift for you too. A light that is also part of me. I think that we can be lights for other people. I think we can be lights for ourselves. I think that the process of learning to to care for ourselves and others, the process of nurturing and nurturing ourselves is available to all of us, even when we are in the underworld. And um, we can ask for help. We can receive help. Uh, it comes from, you know, sometimes it comes from our willingness, you know, to, to see the relative truth, you know, and to engage with the universe by asking for what it is that we want. A big thank you to Stacy for letting me share that. And thank you for listening and, um, and listening to my babbling. I'm not sure how coherent it was. Hopefully it was. And I will be back soon. But thanks again, and keep hope and a light in the darkness uh, kindled.